0: It's incredible to me, they post a certain picture in front of you directly deprived this 10-year-old girl's human rights, abortion rights. In the United States, of America is in a chaotic situation because different states can pass different laws on that.
1: We shouldn't be too surprised that the American system that we call a democracy very often comes up with federal laws or laws at various levels that don't accord with the the popularity polls and the public opinion polls and the will of the people. This is not a new thing. Uh, That's a shame. It's a tragedy, but it's just a fact of the American system right now.
2: When we encounter these kind of breakdowns in governance, my concern is that the U.S. generally resorts to some sort of drastic action, like going to war. And there are those who are concerned that what you're seeing today is not just the breakdown of the American government system, but creating this incredible instability that may encourage uh, U.S. political leaders to externalize, to try to externalize this chaos and this breakdown by Blaming other countries, as we've seen, and the U.S. doing repeatedly with China, particularly.
3: The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat
2: Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way.
3: Welcome to The Chat Lounge. I'm Chen We're talking about the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling that struck down the constitutional right to abortion and the impact of this decision. Today we have Hua, board member of the China Forum Tsinghua University in Beijing. Joseph Mahoney, professor of politics at the Shanghai-based East China Normal University, and Associate Professor David Moser of Beijing Capital Normal University, here to discuss this landmark ruling. Welcome to you all. So, in one of the first cases directly impacted by the U.S. Supreme Court's denial of the constitutional right to abortion, a 10-year-old rape victim who is a little over six weeks pregnant been forced to travel from Ohio to Indiana for an abortion because a six-week abortion ban took effect hours after the Supreme Court's ruling to leave states free to outlaw abortion. And the story reportedly has sparked widespread outrage in the country. So uh, let me start with Hanhua. What's your first reaction
0: to this story? Well, it's incredible to me. First thing first, I think the lawsuit, you know, this kind of uh, overturn by Supreme Court is hardly a surprise because it was a topic, ongoing topic for quite some while. And especially because of the leak of some of the judge's preliminary testimony and uh, some some first uh, written documents was leaked about one month ago. So it was hardly a surprise. I think given the current structure of the su- Supreme Court, it might be overturned of this long-standing case. And it is a, such a big deal in the American history and to reflect its current legal system. But still, it is still incredible for me for this individual case in the wake of this backdrop of the overturn because it put a post a sudden picture in front of you uh, directly deprived this 10-year-old girl's human rights from giving her this abortion right. So this is so incredible. You might save the legal abortion right, but you are totally deprived her from her own human rights. And then I saw that the Biden administration is trying to give some the so-called some exception for this case. But uh, overall, the situation in the United States of America is in a chaotic situation because different states can pass different laws on that. So still, it is a a big surprise to me. Indeed. Um, Actually,
3: I don't know how far or whether these two states are are neighboring to each other. Um, Joseph, first, she, she had to go through this physical torture and then with mental torture she has to travel across states to go through this procedure do you have any compassion for her
2: i have a lot of compassion for her and i think the key issue here there's another point that we haven't mentioned yet right which is not only wishing a rape victim not only did she have to travel uh, to to terminate this unwanted uh, pregnancy, but even if her name is protected, she now is being victimized again by being the example. You know what I mean? And and the yeah. possibility that her name might be published, mm-hmm. that her case might be publicized, because there will be there will be conservatives out there who will say, "Oh, this is not a real case. Uh, this is just something that people are trying to to raise in order to um, score political points." And so there will be some there will be some effort to uncover her identity and, and she'll uh, risk being uh, victimized again. Um, Ohio and Indiana are adjacent to each other. I think the one sort of awful thing to say here is that fortunately, because Indiana is also a red state, Indiana did not have a trigger law in place that would have prevented her from having an abortion. So at least she didn't have to travel uh, across the country just to the neighboring state. But uh, uh, I would guess that before long, she wouldn't have had the right in Indiana either.
3: Yeah, that's what I heard about. And so, David, I'm going to ask you, uh, we understand abortion um, was was not legalized in the States until 1973. And it was said to be a hard fought battle. So can you please take us through the history of how it became a constitutional right? And some people say it's protected by the constitution while others say otherwise. So which argument is actually correct?
1: Uh, Well, it, it has been a constitutional right Uh, since 1973, that's sure, but it's always been a controversial decision, and even the people who made the decision and Justice Blackman and some of the others kind of agree that it was a badly written decision, but I think that you want me to walk through it a little bit, I'm not an expert in this, but there were abortions before 1973, but they were unevenly regulated. I think most of the time after the 1880s, abortions after this notion of the quickening they call that a kind of a, a more of an old fashioned religious notion that when the when the baby begins to move and be felt within the body that no abortions after that point very unscientific you know evaluative tool there but um, legal abortions were problematic but there were certainly a lot of abortions because they were underground in what we call you know back-alley abortions the, the case was controversial 1973 and then almost very quickly after that you began to get erosion of the supreme court decision as people began to not making it illegal but prohibiting government funds from being spent on abortion and i remember a lot of these haphazard kinds of regulations that popped up always a controversy of you know allocating funds for abortion as a way of, you know controlling the allocation of funds as a way of limiting the right but really the ruling had stood since nineteen seventy-three. And I think that the reason was, although it was unclear and maybe uh, not a, a very from a legal standpoint, the document was not very solid, that actually the Roe versus Wade worked very well because it was kind of made both sides partially satisfied. It didn't really totally satisfy everyone, but because it allowed for it divided the pregnancy into trimesters and then judged upon the possibility of getting abortion based upon whether it was in the first trimester, the second trimester, or third trimester. The reason why it stood so long, I think, is because most people, even the most evangelical conservative uh, religious camp, and the most avid uh, abortion up to the last minute, complete freedom to abort any time, both camps basically kind of agreed with this vague notion that at the very early part of the pregnancy, that it's not such a bad thing to abort because the baby hasn't come along its way to be you know closer to a human being whereas toward the end if people getting abortion just you know a week a few a few weeks before the coming to term that bothered everyone as well not not just the conservative christians but even the people who saw abortion as a right so now the supreme court has overturned this and now as uh, i think helen said the country is in absolute chaos as every state then as either trigger laws or potentially passing uh, laws to make it illegal. And this 10 year old, this poor 10 year old girl, um, it comes at a bad time. I mean, actually it's not surprising and it was gonna happen sooner or later. It's amazing that it happened this fast. But I also agree, the poor little girl is going to suffer from this because eventually her name was going to be known as uh, Roe versus Wade. Jane Roe's name was revealed uh, later on in her life and she you know, had problems with that. Norma McCorvey, I think was her name. But anyway, yeah, America is in crisis right now and, and is horrifically a chaotic situation.
3: Obviously, we, we don't have such a ban here in China. But I'm wondering why American women had to struggle for, you know, so many years to, to gain access to a right that women in most countries can exercise. Joseph?
2: Well, you know, I, I can't remember the date, and but I think it was Ireland that just in the, in the recent times we've seen the right to an abortion enshrined there. So um, we we have a number of Western states, uh, especially those with deep Catholic majorities, and in the U.S., it's it's really an intersection of the Catholics, uh, the Christians, particularly the evangelical Christians, who um, both supported this and and have spent a lot of time and money trying to uh, bring this, uh, overturn Roe v. Wade and uh, encourage bans uh, state by state. The deeper question, however, is why is it so difficult in the U.S. to protect these rights, right? So Indeed. It's, it's on the one hand, it's why can't we create a law? And then secondly, why can't we protect it? And this has to do not only with this case with abortion, but with this new conservative majority on the Supreme Court. We've seen other rulings in the past few weeks related to gun control and um, the right to limiting the power of the Environmental Protection Agency to uh, regulate emissions that impact climate change. Part of this has to do with this constitution that was written in the 18th century, that was deliberately constructed to limit the power of government and to create this ambiguity between state and federal power now this was done in order to preserve or we might say enshrine private property rights uh, because this was a, a bourgeois revolution that was waged in the late 1700s but it was also it was also done in order to accommodate the the thirteen original colonies as as they were becoming states, and they all had very different values, and they wanted to have these the ability to legislate their own laws, and uh, of course, uh, you know, it's continued in the modern period. But I think the issue here is the Roe v. Wade ruling came in the nineteen seventies when we were really starting to see a breakdown in the American government system. And, and what we mean specifically here is this long-standing erosion of the capacity of Congress to effectively legislate. And as a result, we've seen the expansion of uh, executive power, the, the presidential uh, the executive branch of the president, having to rule through rulemaking because there aren't sufficient laws to cover modern problems. And the court, having to make judicial rulings because of the absence of uh, legislative ruling and there's a double absence in terms of the congress on the one hand they're unable to pass laws that really have the necessary detail to to accommodate uh, modern problems but they're also uh, increasingly incapable to pass laws that can be reconciled with the constitution and they're also unable to effectively propose constitutional amendments or see them ratified in the three quarters uh, state uh, requirement, given the polarization that we've seen. So Roe v. Wade was always this imperfect solution to what we can see as the long-standing trend of, of this increasing failure of American governance. What's really remarkable about this, if we go back several years ago, when uh, the current chief justice was confirmed on the Supreme Court, he's a devout Catholic, and there were a lot of concerns at that time that he would champion overturning Roe v. Wade. And he basically said at that time that it was impossible to imagine overturning Roe v. Wade because it had stood for so many decades and it had become the rule of law. It was precedent, right? And by overturning it, we would be effectively eroding the rule of law in the United States. And as a Supreme Court, that's not what you want to do. And indeed, many of our laws are imperfectly written and imperfectly expressed, but they have become precedence through time, right? So this uh, this thing that we've seen here now has indeed really undermined the rule of law and, and created this profound opening for all sorts of chaos.
3: But we're talking about a half a century, decades are gone by, um, you know, after abortion was enshrined as a constitutional right in the States. But why do they have to do it now? This is such a big a U-turn.
2: Well, yeah, there were two issues uh, here. The first is, you know, the congressional controlled uh, Congress at the end of Obama's second term uh, managed to prevent the confirmation of a Supreme Court justice that uh, Obama had nominated. And I'm not someone who wants to point a finger at um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, but she did not resign uh, despite being in ill health and as some people point out the conservative judges tend to resign more politically they they tend to not cling to power uh, longer they tend to go out and resign if they're in ill health when they have a conservative sitting president and then when trump was in power probably the most devastatingly effective legacy of his time in office you know not mentioning the the million dead from covid but the vast number of conservative judges that were appointed to the federal judicial system. And this was really uh, down to the leader of the Senate who made this his priority and and worked very closely with Trump to ensure that we would have all these conservative judges. And um, they struck, you know, they they achieved their conservative majority and they had the opening and they took advantage of it, even though um, more than half the American people did not want to see Roe v. Wade overturned. The Chat Lounge.
3: The Chat Lounge
2: unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way.
3: Are there any other, you know, reasons? Instead of just a pure power struggle, I I can barely imagine that they would deprive women's right to abortion just because there are several pro-conservative judges there. Um, David, what's your interpretation here? Was it prompted by any other uh, direct motives or concerns? Some say there are concerns over declining
1: population. Well, Atulio, I think probably other countries and certainly China kind of doesn't understand the role that religion has played in in the United States. Yeah, we and, understand um, that. You have- well you maybe understand that it's there but i mean maybe you haven't felt its long-standing pressure and power that is exerted over the judiciary and also uh, the congress and, and and you know uh legislation at the state level this has been a goal of what's called the moral majority back then when jerry falwell was this uh, evangelical you know preacher who's the leader of this movement and uh, you know the catholicism is is very much opposed to abortion and the evangelical christians who have been, have gained uh, more political power in the last two decades have b- believe the same thing now they're a minority in terms of representation of the population they're a minority but their opinions are held very very strongly and most of them like uh, like the gun advocates they're single issue voters they will vote in anyone who is opposed to abortion no matter what the other policies they advocate are so the issue is these people have a very very strong religious belief that life, human life, begins at conception, and if you really really believe that, and it's your religious belief that you believe that that human beings have a, something called a soul, and that soul comes into the body at the moment that the the zygote is created, the sperm and the egg come together, that that thing is to be considered a full human life. As much as any, uh, you know, already born adult person walking around, they are human lives. Now, if you believe that, and whatever you say about them, I think that they are sincere in these beliefs. There is not cynical politics they're playing; they really believe it. And if you really believe that abortion at any stage is killing a human being, and you really, really think that's part of your religious faith, but it's just a fact, then you would treat the number of abortions every year throughout the world, but certainly in the United States, as a kind of equivalent to the Nazi Holocaust. And I'm not making that up. This is the comparison that it's often made. And so for them, they see this as just absolutely outrageously immoral, kind of callous taking of human lives that would be equivalent to killing newborn babies at the age of one or two or something from their standpoint. Now, because they feel so strongly about this – Whereas most of the population have much vaguer considerations, but I think everyone really was satisfied. It, it's a very controversial stance because uh, the, the religious right have it feel it very strongly. The other more secular portion of the United States and the people who uh, see women's rights as being the the opposite sort of right that should be respected. Um, they, you know, all of us I think who are in those categories f- feel. Pretty strongly that this is a should be a choice, you know, that a woman makes and her doctor, I suppose. But this is something that should not be legislated by law. It should be a legal framework should be there, and one that it, that in some sense respects the rights of women over their the human right of the woman to control her body, and at the same time also has some aspects that take into account what a. Uh, the value of a fetus as it grows into a human being, whatever moral decisions you want to apply to that. But the problem is that the people who are on that that really almost fanatically uh, religious side feel so much more strongly about this that they're willing to break all kinds of norms to achieve it. And frankly, the Supreme Court now, with all the Trump appointees and all the Catholics, on that su- Supreme Court, they basically did something that the Republicans have been against for decades, which is judicial activism. Now, are they? They are the most activist court we've ever had in history, and they're basically passing these, uh, putting down these judgments, based simply on their own personal religious opinions, rather than established law.
2: Let me. Let and me, the reason uh, is that. Let me, let me interject there, David. Sure. I agree with with what you're saying, but the argument that was made the the in the opinion is not based on religion but the originalist interpretation of the constitution so this is where you know you ask the question why are we seeing this now and and bear in mind it's not just overturning abortion as a as a constitutional right but also overturning other laws going back to this originalist interpretation of the constitution so abortion is just one issue that's connected to this movement that's at the center of these conservative justices some of whom do wear their religion on their sleeve but are not arguing religion uh, in their opinions so this is why people are concerned that it's not just gun control, it's not just abortion, it's not just limiting the ability of government to fight climate change, but that we're going to see rulings that take away the right uh, to gay marriage, that take away uh, rights accorded to people with uh, who who are transgender, and so on. Yeah.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely right. Yes.
3: yes. The justices, uh, they always have their reasons. But according to this uh, latest uh, Pew survey, around six in 10 Americans say abortion should be legal. So in that case the Supreme Court's actually went against the will of the majorities. What what kind of signal does that send to you about the United States judiciary and and uh, democracy? You know, it's just based on their like a religion over democracy or
2: in the case of uh, what the ju- judges would argue against you there is that they're returning democracy to the state level. So you do, even though you may have 60% of the national population that want to protect the right to abortion, that majority is concentrated in a few states or or, or one of several, you know, several states. But there are states where the majority of the people are opposed to abortion and they want to legislate laws at the state level that uh, make it illegal. And so this is where you have this argument that state level democracy, as it was conceived by the founding fathers, should um, play a, a larger role than, than federal level uh, democracy instead of, you know, the people of California telling uh, the people of Ohio how they should uh, legislate uh, their laws.
3: I want, From your perspective, do you think it's
0: understandable
3: yes. or logical? Or- uh, I,
0: I listened very carefully about what Joseph and uh, David said because they are Americans. I think I have the uh- a clearer picture of what Americans are thinking, not only by reading about the, the current news and uh, other reports and analysis, but from David and Joseph as well. So I agreed with, with David that religion is certainly playing a bigger and a bigger role in this, which is supposed to be rule of law, uh, ruling, but then it turned out to be the justice, the Supreme Court judges who are Religion biased to so, so give this kind of ruling, not only by rule of law but certainly by their religion preference. So this is this is not a good tendency. Just as Joseph also added is that the most striking part of this ruling may be not only about the decision currently, not about abortion for now, and that the abortion is not the only area where it has probably theoretically tipped the other part of the areas such as the gay marriage such as the transgender arrangements and uh, I totally agree with you Joseph that uh, the judge should have resigned earlier tactically because that could give Supreme Court a balance rather than the current situation that making the conservatives you know ruling the whole Supreme Court so that even it is against the uh, general, ordinary Americans well. But then they will argue that they did not rule against the, the abortion, but they are ruling to give it back to the states. Then it is up to the state to have the final laws, either pro or against the abortion. But most of the states, just like I said, are in the chaotic situation. For example, I actually, we have this China Forum because it is also the current situation of the current confrontation and the more severe confrontation between China and the U.S. in the international relations arena, but then we, China Forum, sent some of our core experts to have interviews, to write articles for the Western media, especially for U.S. media like New York Times, like NBC's appearances, but then we were told Suddenly, after the ruling that our appearances and our articles could not be published or aired in time because all the time and all the publication space would be dedicated to these ruling results and the following consequences by different states. And the different states are totally in the chaotic situation. For example, different states have different, uh, different process, but then every state have their own preference just because not of because of the rules or laws or the democracy but certainly because of the certain people who are the attorney generals in respective states so that is not a positive signal no that is totally negative and then american people uh, they would say okay we will move we will move from this state to who are against abortion for example Florida said that the state has appealed and the ban in effect, then probably they will move to another state. And then, well, they they will have little choices and little space to do that. Certainly they can move. But overall, I can see the democracy in the United States are in certainly in decline. And uh, people are busy figuring out what to do next. And then there is this conflict between the Biden administration, meaning people who are in the practicing field, and then people who are in the Congress. And there are so many contradictories, not only for the abortion, but for the gun laws. Thanks to the Biden administration, they just passed the the most significant gun control law, both from the Biden administration and from the Congress, showing that on the positive side, once people have will they will do something they will vote for something but on the other hand the america is in a total chaotic situation and they will bring uh, you don't know from which corner or which institution they will bring about more and more contradictory issues for people to, to decide at the price of taxpayers contribution but actually these are um, totally nonsense
3: Helen just mentioned some consequences. So let's uh, continue on that. Um, David, do you see any other severe consequences, especially when it comes to impact on individuals? You know, people are predicting that there will be more unwanted newborns. Is it a
1: false claim or? Uh, no, uh, look, it's not a false claim. I mean, uh, legislation, laws, regulations have consequences. Absolutely. And I think the same goes true for you know all these other uh, issues that are being legislated right now that are going to eventually end up at the Supreme Court. They're going to have consequences for, for everyone. I think something that's beyond the scope of this particular program but should just at least be mentioned is that we shouldn't be too surprised that the American system that we call a democracy – very often comes up with federal laws or or laws at various levels that don't accord with the the popularity polls and the public opinion polls and the will of the people. This is not a new thing. As long as I've been alive, I've seen public opinion polls that are in favor of of stronger gun control measures, of the end of nuclear proliferation, of greater environmental controls, and so on and so forth. And uh,
3: presidential election you know year
1: was- after year, sorry.
3: Talking about presidential elections as well.
1: Uh, yeah, presidential elections uh-huh. as well. Ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. That aren't elected uh-huh. by a strict yeah. uh, m- numerical majority. So the issue is that the political uh, players, Congress, the, the, the administration, and presidents are so often swayed by uh, special interest groups. And and you know the big the most obvious one right now is the NRA the National Rifle Association, we've talked about that, but to, not to go into more detail. But these special interest groups and the lobbyists exert such an enormous control over what happens at, at the levels of power that you know very often and most often lately it seems like you get legislation you get national rulings that don't accord with national with the public will. Uh, that's a shame. It's a tragedy, but it's just a fact of the American uh, system right now. Do you Joseph see any... would have a lot more to say about that.
3: Right. Do you, do you see any interest groups here uh, affecting the judge's um, you know, ruling or?
1: Well, certainly the a lot of the governors who are you know passing these laws and and uh, jumping on the bandwagon uh, to restrict abortions, you know, including, let's put it bluntly, President Trump didn't care about the abortion issue. I I mean, as far as I know, I don't really believe that this was something in in his heart. It was completely for political expediency that he was, you know, uh, appeasing the moral majority. And a lot of these governors I think are going to extremes because right now, the far right and the people who are anti-abortion, their effect on public opinion and on the voting block is so important that these people pander to this, these these leaders pander to them. So yeah, it's having that, that effect of pulling everything further to the right and further to the extreme. And that's going to be a direction we're going to see for the next cycle, I think.
3: Mm, Joseph, continuing with this question, who, who would be the most affected in the country? Poor people? Well, or? well I think one of the
2: things you, so there, there are several aspects here, right? On, on the one hand, uh, once you start um, allowing states to legislate closing down abortion clinics, what you're really doing is most directly impacting Poor people. Uh, We know, for example, that even when Roe v. Wade was in place, that uh, only seven percent of the abortions were being paid for by private insurance. Now we have, you know, we have these uh, some of these major corporations saying that uh, they will give their employees leave if they need to travel to another state, uh, and they'll make sure that the abortion is paid for. But again, the number of people who were getting abortions. Uh, who had insurance, uh, were the the absolute minority of the overall number. So who this is most directly going to impact will be primarily poor people, disproportionately minorities, uh, African Americans, Latinos, Native Americans, people who have limited capacity to travel, who often don't find out They're pregnant until it's well past whatever date is imposed as a legal date and who will be most directly impacted by economically and and socially to raise children that they don't want and really probably can't care for. So um, it's really going to increase uh, all sorts of uh, social problems on top of those that we already
3: have. Indeed, I don't know if uh, it's uh, appropriate to bring this up, but uh, every coin has two sides. Well, you know, a result perhaps not expected by by many of the abortion ruling is that men are rushing to have medical sterilization, which is considered good for the benefit of women, because abortion procedures and birth control pills hurt women's health in varying degrees. So I'm not quite sure if it's uh, you know, like I said. So appropriate to bring this up now, but is this a good good side effect?
2: I don't think so. In fact, I have I haven't seen the actual numbers. I think this is anecdotal. Um, but I think there are have, a lot of or, reports. Or, yeah, and cl- yeah, but you know, let's the men who would be doing this are are probably <laughs> the men who are partnering with women who are going to be the least affected by this ruling. Um, uh, we're not going to see um, people without insurance people with low uh, incomes, people with low education levels, rushing to be sterilized. Um, So uh, I don't know that this is really a significant uh, benefit. I think it's really just uh, some men trying to show solidarity with women. And thank you for that. But it's not really addressing the deeper problem.
0: Helen, what's your say here?
3: You got any different...
0: I agree with uh, Joseph and David on this. And I think, uh, you know, they have a better opinion on this. And I really doubt about the figure and the evidence of this. So I think it is just a man's decision to be, yeah, exactly solidarity with with women or with their partners. So it's definitely not a social phenomenon and it cannot be representing the, the, the social status currently in the States. One positive side, in my opinion, is that the American or the American people or the the law team, the legal team as a whole in the states and in the federal level, they still want to try to bring this issue back to the the legal area rather than making it a too big a social issue, even though it, it is really hard harder and the it might be a mission impossible to make it a political issue or social issue. But to then the legal, from the legal perspective, for example, in different states, the legal team, the attorney generals, the justice departments, some of them are still trying their efforts to make certain laws temporarily banned uh, for the benefit of women. So this might be a silver lining of women's rights. But uh, down the road, I think it shows a deep gap between two parties, between religion, non-religion, between federal and the states, and it will bring significant consequences to the country in the longer term. And then to the presidential election, and we don't forget about the midterm elections in the coming several months, I think this could be Still a very hot issue for the result, for the outcome of the midterm election and to see whether the Biden administration, the president, has its own power to do something. Now he can make some presidential decision to help the 10-year girl to protect them and to give them the federal rights for them to travel for abortions. But then what will be the longer term? What will be the long-term result? the Supreme Court is just giving the administration a really hard time to fight against this and to to see what is the real interest for the American people rather than the real interest for the party or for the religious group. I think this is the deeper issue for the United States at the current stage. And I want to add is that back in the 1970s, in China, I, I just can't help but to comparing China and the United States. Sure. Because, you know, we have this this family control policy back in the 1970s, the late 1970s, all the way to 2017. And then it was suddenly the second child is allowed from the very beginning of 2017, I remember clearly. And I was uh, on TV, you know, to help explain the issue and the lifting of this uh, family control policy. So at that time, when the U.S. was lifting the abortion, and at that time, China, for its own sake, but for the nation's interest that they have to adopt and that they have to introduce this family control policy, that was a hard time for China too, but then, China, you can see the family control policy, the abortion rights, the human rights, the women's rights. You can still see the consistent curve from the 1949 when Chairman Mao made this famous quote of "women can take up half of the sky." So then, the women's rights, including certainly the abortion rights, still in the consistent, if not steep curve. And even for the family control policy, and there were some really bad cases, bad examples, but for the country's best interest, we know, people all know that it is for the country's best interest. We have to do that. And the the economic growth and the, the numbers shows that, okay, that is, that was good at that time, but then we need to Modify the policies so that in 2017 we introduced the second child as followed by the third child policy. And the, actually, I think young couple can have as many children as they can nowadays. Only <laughs> really issue that if they don't want that, that's fine because of the world trend is that against a big family. But anyway. What I want to say is that we can see the consistency of the policy towards have a better, to better the human rights, to better the women's rights, children's rights. We can see that. But in the United States, what upset me is that I cannot see the consistency. And for the overturn, I can see the decline. And this really bothered me.
3: Actually, it's a quite novel perspective, uh, you know, uh, citing China's example to look at this issue.
2: The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way.
3: Biden has said, and I quote, we have to change the Supreme Court's decision by codifying Roe versus Wade. But how, under what circumstances, is it possible to restore the right to abortion across the country? David?
1: Ha, you should ask Joseph this. I don't right, see any way that B- Biden can. I don't see any way Biden can do this. What do you think, Joseph? Yeah. So the, the issue,
2: Biden is making this promise, and this goes back to the the question you were asking earlier, and Helen answered it in part. Uh, one of the sort of positive consequences here, at least for one of the political parties, is that they the Democrats hope to use this as a mobilizing issue to to get out the vote ahead of the midterms with uh, the, the Democrats expected to lose heavily and, and perhaps both uh, chambers of Congress uh, going uh, Republican. You know, Biden's uh, approval ratings are in the 30s right now. Most people in the United States are not happy with him. and uh, But most people are also unhappy with this uh, uh, Supreme Court ruling. So the hope is that uh, at least Biden is trying to use this as an issue to mobilize support for Democratic candidates Come this fall, because if if uh, Democrats lose control of absolute control of both chambers, they only have tenuous control in the Senate. His uh, uh, domestic agenda is basically finished, and it's almost a certainty that he will be a one-term president because he won't get anything else done. He's gotten so little done so far, and there, there, there probably won't be much more. In terms of what could he actually do, however, if Democrats do manage to maintain majorities and and he's able to press. Some sort of mandate. It's almost impossible that they would be able to get a substantial wall through the Senate because they would need at least 60 votes in the Senate to make it stick. And there's no chance that they're going to have that type of um, that type of game. And as I've said, they're, they're likely to lose votes, not gain. So this is more of a of an empty promise, a campaign promise, trying to rally the troops before he loses uh, the chance of a second term than it is a reality that he can actually pass a law. And this goes back, you know, uh, it was cited earlier that both chambers, Biden just signed into law this new gun legislation, that law will be appealed to the Supreme Court, and it may be ruled unconstitutional. And in other words, even if he could get a law passed, even if he could get the sort of majority needed and could get a law passed and could sign it, it would still probably be overturned
1: by the Supreme Court at some point. Let me just add something to Joseph said, because Uh I've talked about this with my friends a lot. We on the left, and I consider myself left Democrat, we find ourselves in a very strange situation now, because this dynamic he, that Joseph mentioned is very true. Some of us feel like at this point the only real hope we have is is that the other side, that the that the Republican side, will pass laws and, and you know uh, put uh, uh, opinions out there that are that are so against the public will and so extreme and so frightening that it will actually frighten them, you know, enough people that, that they won't vote for them. This is a very strange place to be in politically, <laughs> to actually hope that the other side actually goes to such a dangerous extreme that, that you might actually pull a win out of it. That's a tragedy. It's, just, it's really a, a, a almost absurdist kind of situation you're in. But there you are. That's where we are now.
2: Let, yes. me, let me just add something. You know, there, there's a, another side of it. You asked the question earlier, why now? And there are some people who have mm-hmm. tried to answer this question in, in ways that I don't agree with, but this answer is out there. And you certainly hear it among people on the right, uh, including my parents who are anti-abortion <laughs> activists. The The issue is uh, we had w- what many on the right and, and the social conservatives perceive as Um, sort of the radicalization of progressive issues. So uh, the legalization of gay marriage, the legalization of of, uh, drugs and more and more jurisdictions pressing to create uh, equal rights and protections for transgenders. And then on top of all of this, we had the Me Too movement and the Black Lives Matter. And you have to recall that we have at least two Supreme Court justices who faced uh, serious allegations of sexual harassment of women and there have been those who have been predicting a backlash a a conservative backlash trump himself faced accusations of uh, serious accusations of of not only sexual impropriety but also sexual harassment and then people who've been predicting that as the u.s had in, in their perception moved further to the left on social issues that there would be this price to pay whenever these people who are well organized on the right and, and often better organized and more disciplined than those on the left uh, when they were able to gain power uh, and again I don't I don't completely agree with that assessment but it's one that um, has a lot of currency in, in some groups today
3: it is, is the Supreme Court in knocking over the first domino you know in the collapse of American human rights as some mm. people would put it? Is it overstated or?
2: I don't think it's overstated. I think that, um, you know, there is this deep dysfunction in, in the US today. In fact, if you talk to a lot of conservatives, you will hear increasingly that they don't really want democracy anymore. They they want some type of authoritarian rule. Some are even predicting uh, a military coup and are are fantasizing about one. There's this uh, idea that if we cannot win by democracy, if we cannot win a presidential vote by having a majority, um, then let's impose our power, our our moral authority by other means. I'm not saying the Supreme Court justices uh, agree with this, but there are those who, who support this ruling but they're looking, they're looking towards a future where democracy is, is not really the watchword or the byword of the American political experience. Um, in terms of my, my personal um, concern, we have seen the U.S. In, in various points in time encounter tremendous breakdowns in governance and, and probably the most famous uh, and devastating was the Civil War period, which also had to do with, with civil rights and, and protections um, in, in, in the case of uh, slavery. My concern is that we're reaching a new a new point, a new breakdown. We, we, we had a previous one during uh, in the Great Depression. When we encounter these kind of breakdowns in governance, my concern is that the U.S. generally resorts to some sort of drastic action, like going to war. And there are those who are concerned that what you're seeing today is not just the breakdown of the American government system, but creating this incredible instability that may encourage uh, U.S. political leaders to externalize, to try to externalize this chaos and this breakdown by blaming other countries, as we've seen, and the U.S. doing repeatedly with China, particularly, um, and then try to uh, initiate some sort of aggression in order to um, create a common cause to reestablish some form of governance through uniting the people via war. This is, I think, an increasingly serious concern, and. And one that has um, bearing not only for the people in the U.S. but everywhere. But uh, the, the the final comment here is, you know, one of the great tragedies, on top of all the other tragedies that we've seen in the last three or four years, is that um, most data indicate that uh, with COVID. Women's rights and protections, the the gains that they had made, the closing of the income gap, all of those had taken significant steps backward uh, because of the failure to deal with COVID. And so this losing this right, this right to abortion, is just another um, massive step backward for women, one that that is part of this this broader trend that we should all be concerned about.
3: Joseph talked about uh, how the United States might externalize its uh, domestic issues and uh, how it would affect uh, its relations with other countries, um, including China. Then my question is, how would this affect, um, you know, U.S. relations with its allies and uh, also the the views its allies hold on the so-called leader of the free world or, or big brother of Western democracy? Because we've already seen Western leaders, including uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, French President Emmanuel Macron, all condemning the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling, calling it a a backward step. David?
1: Yeah, it's a complicated issue. Can't really uh, cover it all in this this podcast. But uh, the U.S. has taken a big hit worldwide, partially during the Trump administration, but still... you know, at to this point, U.S. democracy certainly has taken a notch down. People don't s- see the U.S. anymore, or for the time being, anyway, as the sort of shining beacon on the hill that it, that it once was. Uh, but you know, the American alliances are still basically pretty strong. Uh, the, the The U.S. presence economically and in terms of soft power and certainly is 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 there so i i think for i mean there are many ways to look at it and the geopolitical issue is one and especially the relationship with china which is so important at this point in terms of you know the adversarial increasingly adversarial relation but for me my personal feeling is i'm more worried about the, the u.s internal problem internal domestic politics and what joseph just mentioned the fact that we do seem to be you know, moving closer. I mean, we used to talk about it metaphorically, but uh, we're moving closer to something like a literal civil war. Um, And you can imagine, you know, uh, people taking to the streets increasingly. At some point, if you have uh, pro-abortion and anti-abortion forces or pro-Black Lives Matter and anti-Black Lives Matter, people on the streets are going to start killing each other. Uh, And with with the large amount of guns, you would have something like a Unruly mob-type civil war that, thats really—I mean, it could very, very well be on the horizon. And even Texas has been talking, I guess, not tongue in cheek, seriously about secession, like succeeding seceding from the union. So, the U.S. I worry more about the internal coherence of the United States uh, politics in general. It's a—it's—it's we're a, it's really at a crisis point. A lot of people are trying to theorize about it and explain it and understand it. It's very, very complicated, but it's the problem is very, very real, and anyone who follows American politics can feel it. We're really at a tipping point, I
0: think. Finally, uh, Helen? It might not be the first domino piece, but it's certainly a, a major piece of a, a domino. In my opinion, it can be said that the U.S. is failing a democracy, democracy who used to be regarded as such a high standard of the, the ruling, the system. Of the world of the countries in the world of the modern modern countries of the world but also we can say that democracy failed the united states as well from the current ruling of this Roe versus Wade. this is my personal opinion so on this regard there will be a lot of consequences if U.S., yeah, I, I think I can see that the U.S., especially for this current administration, they want to try to externalize some of their domestic issues, which is totally understandable. But then there will be consequences towards what and which and how they will externalize that. If it is with regard to the relationship with China, we can see that China is standing hold and sounding sound and firm about its own stand, especially of our own core interests. And uh, then I can see there are a lot of debates over within the United States, within the officials, within the scholars, within the business community, discussing about uh, the Biden administration's policies towards China, and then in the most recently, I saw this article from Wall Street Journal by Maurice uh, Greenberg arguing that uh, we want to rebuild U.S. relations with China, disclosing that uh, he is establishing a special task force, want to rebuild this kind of relations with China to bring it to a healthier track. And with regard to the allies, from the most recent Shangri-La dialogue, we can see that on the surface, it is the U.S.-led and a lot of allies' countries, not to mention Korea or Japan in the Asian countries, but also some of the NATO and the NATO candidates, they are also participating into this security dialogue in the Asia-Pacific region, showing that they want to pay the same attention to echo, to resonate the Americans' attitude and their policies towards China and towards this region. But uh, then down to earth or in practice, I heard from our experts by China Forum who attended this Shangri-La Dialogue saying that, well, in practice, they are very pragmatic and they are saying that they wanted to keep a normal if not healthy relationship with China because there are a lot of business interests, there are a lot of political interests within and it's just intertwined. It cannot be just decoupling or cut off immediately. So we can see this, there is this discussion about democracy, human rights, and in in practice, we can see people are still longing for peace and development because every politician, they need to argue and fight for their own country's people's interests so this should be their ultimate goal as a politician so yeah, let's let's hope that uh, the midterm or the government, uh, the, the the United States government's, uh, the the following decisions or uh, the decisions and the laws by the respective states can be back on the normal track to follow the world trend, not to, to be against the trend, despite of this religion issue or other domestic issues. Because you know, I took a very quick search on Google when i type in abortion i can say the immediate response for this search is that abortion clinic near me or abortion laws in each state showing that people need this right this is regarded as the basic right
3: all right. On that note, we've come to the end of this episode of Chat Lounge. Many thanks to Han Hua, whom we also refer to as uh, Helen during the show, board member of the China Forum Tsinghua University, Associate Professor David Moser of Beijing Capital Normal University, and Joseph Mahoney, Professor of Politics of East China Normal University, for sharing your insights with us. You can leave a review for us either on the topic or on the show. Please subscribe to The Chat Lounge for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Tungyuan. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.